Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome back. It is Tuesday, January 31st, last day of January 2023, and at 7 a.m. here in Spotswood, and I hope that everybody had a good Monday. Um, mine was really, really interesting. I can say that much, but it's uh, it's Tuesday and the week is just speeding right along. I'm excited to be with you this morning um, just because we have the opportunity. But aside from that, y'all, today we come to one of my most favorite passages, favorite section of uh, of all of the Bible, a beautiful, beautiful moment here. Um, that, that really, there's a lot of questions that we might have uh, about what's taking place here, but, but really just something so precious that takes place between Jesus and one of his followers. If you've been with us all along, you know that we're just making our way through John. Somebody asked me recently, well, where are you going to go next? And I said, well, I don't know, but I'm working on it. So we'll find out, um, I think, next week. I, I think that we'll... Um, I think that we have enough time to finish John this week. Only got three more days this week together, but that should be enough. But nevertheless, um, y'all, where we are, <clears throat> okay, if you've been with us all along, sorry, I had to catch my, my, my thought there and actually enunciate the words for it. Where we are, we're picking up in John chapter 20. We've just been making our way through. And where we find ourselves in chapter 20, if you have those little nifty chapter headings, you know, the first part is the empty tomb, right? That's the account that we focused on yesterday when John and Peter, John simply refers to himself as the one that Jesus loved. They, they, they end up hearing about the fact that Jesus' tomb is empty. Okay, they hear about this from Mary Magdalene, who went to the tomb. She comes back after seeing the stone rolled away, says, they've taken our Lord. John and Peter just take off running. They don't walk. They run. John gets there first, and he looks in, and he sees some linens, but he doesn't go in. Peter finally gets there because he's slower than John. And I'll make no further comment on that. And he just walks right in, right? And, and then John follows him in, and they see not only the linens, they see the linen that was around his head, the shroud, folded up. So some things are pretty obvious from this. If somebody had stolen the body, they would not have taked off, uh, taken off its wrapping. They would have taken the whole body um, the, the body is just gone. And what we find from this is verse eight. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. But then verse nine, we get a caveat, right? We, we get something that, that helps us understand what's happening. They still did not understand from scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Yesterday, we closed by talking about how we really shouldn't look down on, on John and Peter and the others. Because, you know, they, they had all the, the, the list of things that Jesus said were going to happen. They got the arrested. They got the, the tortured. They got the crucified. They knew all those things. But Jesus also said he was going to rise again. But Mary thinks that his body's been stolen. The disciples don't know what to think. They still don't understand here. But we should take it easy on them because they don't have the Holy Spirit like we do. They do not have the entirety of God's word, as we have the entirety of God's word, okay? So all of these things being said, John reveals that they believe 
but they still don't understand everything. And y'all, it's at that crossroads that we often find ourselves, right? The idea of having to understand every single thing before you can believe, before you can have faith is ludicrous. There's all sorts of things that we believe that we don't understand, even in the natural world, okay? But we still do, and we don't have to have every piece of information. It is, you know, for me to do, you know, that right there and flip that light switch, I have no idea why electricity does what it does. I don't know the process of it getting here. I have vague ideas. I'm not a lineman, right? I, I don't know these things, but I can still believe that when I flip the switch, the light is going to work. So it was the case with John and Peter and the other disciples. They didn't fully understand what was happening, but they saw and they believed. And y'all, that's the challenge that we face as we go through life. We don't have to understand why God does everything that he does, but we do have to believe that he does what he does out of his holy, perfect righteousness, that he loves us as he says he does, and that what he does, he does for his glory and for our good. And we don't have to understand everything else. And there ought to be joy in that and fulfillment. So that's where we leave John and Peter at this point. Um, in fact, where we're going to pick up reading is verse 10. And it says, then the disciples went back to their homes. But we continue with Mary here. So that's the dynamic. Mary finds the, the stone rolled away, runs and gets Peter and John. Peter and John rush back. They find the linens, but they find that his body, the Lord's body, is not there. They believe. Then they go back to their homes. But the Lord is not done with Mary. Let's pray, and then we'll dig in. Our Father, please be with us today as we come to this passage, this beautiful, beautiful, glorious passage. Let us understand what you would have us to. Let us see the value of really knowing you and loving you. Please guide us in this time. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So John chapter 20, beginning in verse 10, it says, Then the disciples went back to their homes. But... Mary, verse 11, but Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb. Now, the disciples, we get the idea that they saw and they believed. And then they went their separate way. Realize that Mary crying outside the tomb does not necessarily indicate that she doesn't believe, okay? She could be crying over the state of things, the fact that Jesus is gone. We, we're not given an inside glimpse just as yet as to why she is crying. But nevertheless, Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, verse 12, and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, 
Tell me where you have put him and I will get him. All right, so now we get a, a deeper glimpse, okay? It's not that Mary disbelieves Jesus or anything like that. It's just that she's still hung up on the fact that Jesus was crucified, that Jesus has died. She still wants to honor the Lord. And the idea to her is so sorrowful that someone would have taken his body. So much so, she is so focused on that aspect that Jesus has died that she looks at the angels. Now, I, I'm not certain about this. I tried to do some research yesterday. I think I'm right on this. But this is one of the very few times in the Bible that people see angels and aren't terrified by it. And don't, don't say, well, what about Lot and all these other things? No, those angels were disguised to where they look like regular people. These angels are not disguised, okay? They are there, seated in white, all right, and 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 she still we we don't get this idea that she's horrified. That they, they asked her woman, "Why are you crying?" Her response is, "They've taken the Lord away, and I don't know where they put him." Then she turns around, and Jesus is standing there, and he says, "Woman, why are you crying? Who is the trick that you're looking for?" He thinks that, or she thinks that he is the gardener, or or, or the one that tends to to to, to the tombs there. And she says, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you put him and I will get him. Like she's going to carry Jesus's body back to the tomb. But, y'all, she's not thinking rationally here. No response to angels sitting there. Her only focus is Jesus. Her only focus is Jesus so much so that when Jesus is standing right there, she doesn't even recognize him. Now, that does beg the question, what did Jesus look like? All right, uh, y'all. In just a moment, she's going to embrace Jesus, and he's going to tell her not to hold on to him because he hasn't returned to his father. The idea that we get is Jesus is in his glorified body. And what does that look like? Again, we don't know. We just don't know. Different, yes, but the same. What will it look like when we in heaven receive our glorified bodies? Different, and yet the same. And, yet, and that's really all we can say. We could speculate, we could think all sorts of things. At what age will we appear in heaven? Don't even let your mind drift there. It may be a neat thing to ponder, but don't become dogmatic over it. Don't focus on it because I can assure you, whatever we look like in heaven, we will recognize one another, number one. And number two, we will not be disappointed, okay? Nevertheless, Mary's focus is so on Jesus that she misses him. She is so certain that he's dead and trying to find his body that she misses when Jesus is right there. But the reason I love this passage is what happens next. Mary, in the midst of this tumultuous time, she's crying. She doesn't know what to think or where to go or what to do. Verse 16, Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. What we see here, stop right there for just a second. What we see here, and the reason I think this is one of the most beautiful passages in all of God's word, is that Mary, 
in the midst of her sadness, her terror, her frustration, the horror of thinking that someone took the Lord's body, the fact that Jesus has died, in all of these things, she is in agony. She is weeping. She is heartbroken. And yet from the Lord, it took but a single word. As Jesus said to her, Mary, as she heard her name from the Lord, it was at that point because she knew the Lord, y'all, not just about it, because she knew the Lord with but a single word, everything changed. In the midst of the terror, the midst of the agony, it was but one word from the Lord, and everything was new. Everything was right. And because she knew the Lord, all it took was a word. My friends, Mary in a lot of ways can describe us here. And no, this is not some metaphor for the Christian life. This is the telling of the tale, right? This, this is telling what actually took place. So I'm not using this in a metaphorical sense or anything like that. But really, when it comes to our lives, we can be so discouraged, so lost, so turned upside down. We can face circumstances that we never thought we'd have to face. We can be in situations that are unthinkable and inconceivable. And yet, when the Lord turns to us, when we turn to the Lord, everything can be transformed. And it's transformed as a result of faith. Life is transformed as a result of relationship with the Lord. What is the value of knowing Jesus? I talked about this on Sunday. There are those that reduce Christianity to eternal fire insurance. That's pretty much what it is. Christianity is about what's going to happen someday. And I would contend with you right now that Christianity is about what happens today. As you face the horrors of life, as you face the unknown. Christianity is about what happens today because it is your relationship with Jesus that can turn the whole world just as it did with Mary. Now, after she cries out, Rabbi, she must have embraced Jesus. The reason I say this is because verse 17, Jesus said, do not hold on to me for I have not yet returned to the father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them I'm returning to my father your father, to my God, and to your God. Y'all, what must this have been like for Mary? What must this moment have been like to embrace the risen Lord and the risen Lord who not only is there in terms of identity, but who says this, I'm returning to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Mary experienced not only the risen Christ, y'all, she experienced the source of her salvation, the source of her belonging. Verse 18, Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. Y'all, this is one of the greatest pieces of evangelism in all of God's word. As I've said to you often, you don't have to complicate things. 
There are people that say, oh, well, I need to have this tactic and I don't know which of these I should go with. And what if this person has that? The best testimony you can offer is Mary's testimony that you've seen the Lord. And yes, I know that it's not in the same context. None of us have embraced the living risen Lord. And yet, if you know him, you have seen him. You have his word that transforms. You have his presence daily in your lives. There is no greater testimony than this, along with the fact that you've seen the Lord and you know him. And you know that he can transform whomever, just like he transformed you. This is one of those instances, just like the shepherds, when Jesus was born, who returned glorifying and praising God. That's all Mary's doing here. That's all she needs to do. And with this, we leave Mary. Soon enough, Jesus is going to appear to other disciples, and, and we will see things come to a close. But as we close today, let me ask you, are you in a place where you need to hear your name from the Lord? Y'all, it's not about searching out a tomb outside of Jerusalem. If you want to hear a word from the Lord, what more can he say than to you he has said? If you want to have this sweet time with the Lord, go to him in prayer, and he's there. And as it was with Mary, so it can be with you. Transformation is available in Jesus Christ alone. Trust in him and be ready to tell other people about how he has transformed you. Let's pray. Our Father, I thank you so much for today and for this time and this beautiful passage. For those of us that may be tempted to lose heart, we pray that you would encourage. For those of us who need correction, we pray that you would correct gently and mercifully. For those of us who just need encouragement, please encourage. Those of us who need prompting, please spur us on towards faithfulness. And for all of us, all of us who need a word from you, let us cling to your word. Let us cling to prayer. All of this through Jesus Christ, our Lord. We pray it in his name. Amen. Well, I'd like to thank you all for being a part of this time. Lord willing, we'll be back tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. I see Rose. Good morning. And there is Christine. Good morning. And Elizabeth and Becky and the other Becky. And there is Terry. We continue to pray for Dale. Um, y'all, what a blessing it is to have this time with y'all. Thank you so much for being here and others who didn't comment as well. Lord willing, we'll see you tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. Home Bible study tonight at the Patterson's. Um, at seven o'clock. I can actually be there this week. I don't have a meeting tonight, um, but I'm looking forward to that time. Until then, I hope you all have a wonderful Tuesday.